The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Positive Living, the program that brings you practical and inspiring principles for living more authentic, engaging, and passionate lives. Created by Patricia Raskin, a catalyst for positive change. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this program are solely those of the host, guest, and callers. Now, with Positive Living, here's Patricia Raskin. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to Positive Living. I'm Patricia Raskin, right here on VoiceAmerica.com, America's Voice. This is a program that shows you how to turn your obstacles into opportunities, your problems into solutions, and how to make your dreams come true. Every week, we interview amazing people, experts, authors, people who are helping us to overcome our odds and to make our dreams come true, or people who have done that themselves. And today is really no exception. I have on the consummate guest, who is one of my all-time favorites, and when I talk about inspiration, when I give my motivational talks, I'm often referring to this gentleman. And if you are listening today, live April 6th, you can give us a call at 866-472-5787. My guest today is Bill Irwin who with his seeing-eye dog, Orient, is the only blind person to have completed the 2,168-mile trek across the Appalachian Trail. His best-selling book, Blind Courage, now in its 11th edition, is the topic of the discussion about his journey and how he spent his life overcoming the odds and winning. Welcome, Bill Irwin. Thank you, Patricia. You know, I, I have to go down memory lane with you a little bit. Okay. Because the first time that I interviewed you was, I think, in 1994, 93 or 94. And in, that, in those days, I was living in North Carolina, and I had a television show on a Fox affiliate. And you came in, you were living in North Carolina, too, and you came in with your dog, Orient, and you sat down. And I remember interviewing you and thinking, this is the most amazing story. And, and then, of course, I read your book, and I've interviewed you by phone several times since that. But... The thing, and actually I wrote about you in my book, Pathfinding. One of the things I want to talk about that I think is such an amazing piece of your story, Bill, is how you heard about how you even got to go on this trek. I mean, it was a, a sort of a miracle serendipity story of how this even happened for you, how you heard about it. Tell, tell us about that. Well, you're right. It was very serendipitous, and I put it in the category of uh, a miracle because uh, I, I'm sure you remember I had absolutely no knowledge of or interest in the Appalachian Trail. Yeah. Uh, and after a wonderful weekend of healing with my oldest son, Billy, on the Blue Ridge Parkway, um, and I had a spiritual experience that uh, just was overwhelming, uh, I began to receive information from eight people over a period of about a month that some of whom I hadn't heard from in over 30 years mm. that I knew. None of them knew each other. There was no common link. 
<laughs> except me. And every single one of them sent me something about the Appalachian Trail. Unbelievable. It just, it just happened. It just, just happened. It just happened. I didn't ask for it. And Unbelievable. I and I became so puzzled by that that one day after I collected all that, before I threw it in the circular file. <laughs> I you mean the trash? The, that's right. I, yeah. I decided to call each one of those people and ask one simple question after we exchanged a few platitudes. Yeah. Why in the world did you send me that information about the Appalachian Trail? And every single one of them gave me exactly the same answer. Which was? I felt led to do it. Unbelievable, Bill. Now, what took you from those eight people to saying, I've got to do this? What, where, was, where did that light bulb go off? It began to go off immediately when they said, I felt led to do it. Because if you calculate the statistical odds of eight people that haven't connected in 30 years, or nine people, including me, and... <laughs> It's amazing. Sending a person information that none of them could have possibly known about at the same time within a few weeks of each other mm-hmm. uh, about something that they would never connect Bill Irwin and, and the Appalachian Trail in the same thought process without some kind of intervention from mm-hmm. a source of power that's greater than yeah. any of us. So from that point, once the once you got that guidance and you said, I've got to do this, and you were blind, so you knew what you were up against, did you have the seeing eye dog at that time, or did you oh, get yeah. the seeing eye dog? Oh, yeah, I had, I, he was my, Orient was my third seeing eye dog. I, I had, uh, oh, I guess 15 years experience using a dog guide at that time. Okay, so then what did you do? Did you start researching? Did you, how, did you, how did you prepare for this and, and ultimately make the decision? Well, I made the decision that I would check into it, and if uh, I found a, a course at uh, George Mason University in, in Manassas, Virginia, taught by a guy that had done it eight times, the whole trail. It's mm-hmm. called the Appalachian Trail Institute, and it's a, a, it was a week-long program that I went up to Virginia and lived there in residence and took the class, and, and I decided that if uh, he gave me any glimmer of hope that I could make it, that uh, I'd I'd at least get started. But now this man was not blind. He had his oh, sight. Oh, no. He, in fact, he was a, he's a professor of Appalachian Studies at George mm-hmm. Mason University. Mm-hmm. And what did he say to you, Bill? After the course? Yeah, in terms of encouraging you or discouraging you from, from climbing the trail. He, exactly what he said was, I know you have the determination to be successful at this, but if you try it alone with only the dog, I'm afraid you'll never make it. Really? Yeah. And I'm really? And, and, and now wait, I want to pause there. Now here's this experienced professor who's done this more than once, tells you this from his experience. What made you not listen and say, I'm going to climb anyway? Well, I told him, I said, you know, 
this is not just an ordinary journey. It's a spiritual journey. And if it's meant to be, if if it's God's will, and he helps me, uh, I know I'll make it. <laughs> Even And here's here's the punctuation mark i i think i'll make it even if i have to crawl it mm, wow <clears throat> which from reading your book at times you had to in maine during the last week there was a log bridge that had about four inches of ice on it mm. and i was crawling across there and there was a, a another hiker on the other side that had a camera. And he said, do you mind if I get I take a picture of you? And I said, absolutely, because I want to do something with it. Mm. And I was about 10 miles from Baxter State Park, as you know, where I finished the trail at that time. And he took that picture, and I asked him to send it to the guy that taught the class. And, and show me crawling across that log mm. <laughs> and tell him that he's I'm 10 miles from the end. Okay, so, Bill, we have a couple minutes till break, and we still have three more segments to really go into this, but let's ask you this detailed question. What got you through during periods where you fell or you were exhausted or you weren't sure you'd find your way or you weren't, sure that the dog would be able to help you? I mean, what did you do? Well, I just had to trust. I just had to trust God because... Uh, what I, about the fear? Those Well, the fear waned pretty fast. Uh, within a few days, I decided that it was too long a trip to make myself miserable in fear. Mm-hmm. So what could happen? You know, I could get killed, and and that would have been sort of a blessing, (laughs) or break a leg, or fracture a skull, and Mm -hmm. and I'd get to go home where it's comfortable. Mm. So, you know, with with that kind of thinking... And none of that happened? No, of course not. No, I didn't get hurt. The worst injury I had was uh, I, I crushed a finger looking for water in Pennsylvania in wow. one of the longest droughts. How long did it take you, Bill? 258 days, eight and a half months. Eight and a half months on that trail. Did um, We have a minute, so I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pause, but, folks, if you're on the edge of your seat, we're going to talk about if people came on the trail and helped Bill during that time. We're going to talk more about courage. We're going to talk about getting through obstacles in life. I mean, here's a man who's blind, who's the only man, Bill Owen, who climbed the Appalachian Trail all the way through, and no one has done it before and since with his seeing eye dog orient. And his book is Blind Courage, and Bill's um, website is Bill Owen, B-I-L-L-I-R-W-I-N.com, one of the most inspirational guests I have ever interviewed, and I've interviewed lots of people and always have them back. All right, folks, you're listening to Positive Living. I'm Patricia Raskin. Log on to PatriciaRaskin.com. Learn all about my programs. Sign up for my newsletter. would love to hear from you. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. News. 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 News.
voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. Here's a show for baseball players, coaches, parents, and those who love the game. At least 90% of sports success, including baseball, requires mental strength in order to fully benefit from technical ability. And the higher the competition level, the more critical it becomes to possess mental muscle. Tune in every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific time to Championship Thinking, hosted by Jim Meyer, and brought to you by the National High School Baseball Coaches Association. Jim, sports psychology coach, trainer, and author of numerous articles and the workbook, Championship Thinking, Building Mental Muscle in Baseball, simplifies the mental game with Easy to understand tools and tips. With his weekly guests, Jim draws from successes with professionals, college, high school, and youth teams, coaches, and players. Learn how to remain confident and focused at crunch time when pressure, tension, and anxiety like to make an uninvited appearance. Tune in and tune up your mental and technical knowledge and skills with Championship Thinking every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time right here on America's Voice, Voice America. Hey, Dad. What? I can't get the ketchup bottle open. Here, let me try. Here you go. Thanks. You don't have to be a hero to be a hero. When you adopt a child from foster care, just being there makes all the difference. To learn more, call 1-888-200-4005. A public service announcement brought to you by Adopt US Kids, the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, and the Ad Council. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Hi everyone, we are back. You are listening to Positive Living and I'm Patricia Raskin right here on VoiceAmerica.com, America's Voice. And I must brag about Voice America because I was one of the first hosts, probably one of the first 20, uh, seven years ago. And now there's over 250 hosts. And uh, the Internet has really taken off in these kinds of radio programs, and I'm very excited about that. And I've been talking about positive living since 1982, both on radio, on television, and now on the Internet. So it's very, very important. We're in a time where we need it more than ever. And we have an amazing guest on the program. If you're listening live on April 6th on Monday between 2 and 3 p.m. Eastern and 11 and noon a.m. Pacific, you can give us a call at 866-472-5787. I have on one of the most courageous and amazing guests that I have ever interviewed in my career of interviewing. And I interviewed Bill first in 1993 on television and have kind of, um, we've stayed in touch. Bill Irwin is an amazing individual for many reasons, but let me tell you this. With his seeing-eye dog, Orient, he is the only blind person to have completed the 2,168-mile trek across the Appalachian Trail, which took him about eight and a half months. His best-selling book, Blind Courage, now in its 11th edition, is really what we're talking about today. And, uh, again, his book has been a bestseller. He's appeared on television programs such as The Morning Show on NBC, uh, Heart to Heart on CBN, Hour of Power from the Crystal Cathedral, and he's the subject of many articles, including cover story and guideposts. So welcome back, Bill. Thank you. Um, all right, there's a lot more to talk about, but let's go back to the story. So... Um, did anybody help you along the way during this eight and a half months? Did you see anybody on the trail? Oh, yeah, every day. Well, a lot. 
Did people know? Did people know what you were doing, or did you tell them? Well, I didn't need to. After the third day when I met one of the star reporters from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, the wire services picked up the Sunday article that was on the front page of that paper. And really? From then on, I had not only a lot of everyone that was there knew I was there and what I was doing, but all the press in the country seemed to converge on the road crossing. So uh, the press became <laughs> like a huge mountain at times. Well, and they helped you because they were there. You know, I mean, if, if anything had happened, you had people there. That's right. They were there a lot. So, and there were a lot of people that that uh, helped when when I would need help in a, a place, for example, where it was very difficult to figure out where the trail uh, came uh, began on uh, the, the other side of a wide road crossing. Yeah. And the weeds were real high, and the dog couldn't see where the trail was. Mm. Sometimes, and it sometimes it'd be a half a mile up the road, uh, almost always within just a few minutes. Somebody would come along and be able to point it out to me, and you know, I, I, I learned to depend mm. on that. All right, Bill. So, what lessons did you learn? I mean, if you think about what, I mean, after eight and a half months, what was it, what was the greatest thing you got out of that experience? Uh, the restoration of, of, in my belief in the human race, if nothing else, because, you know, you, it's just so easy to give up on people and, whatever, and after that experience, it was such a mm. heartwarming mm. experience to experience firsthand the, the uh, innate goodness of a lot of different people mm. all mm. around the country, none of whom knew me personally, so it, it wasn't like a friend coming out to give me mm. help. It was strangers that I didn't know or knew. Yeah, I want to segue into something current, because as you know, this is a very difficult financial time for millions of people, and I'm, I live in the Northeast now, I used to live in the South, as you did, and we're both in the Northeast, and it's particularly rampant here. I mean, you can feel fear in the energy. And, and I'm sure you've seen that. And, of course, all you have to do is turn on the news and watch television and, you know, see who's been laid off and which company has laid off, laid off thousands of people. And so uh, my question to you is if you were standing up in front of a group right now, Bill, which you do, and you were talking to people that are, are riddled with fear because they may lose their job or if they don't lose their job, they're juggling so many things that they, they don't have quality of life, what would you say? What's your advice? Well, my advice is that if you don't let what's going on in the world frighten you because there's hope. And, you know, I've lost as much money from my investments as the same percentage as everyone else in the short haul. But I know from the past and the way that the economy is cyclic that if we can just ride it out and not panic that our investments are going to come back and, and 
deep, bigger than they ever were. So if we just trust the system and don't go berserk and try to stuff our money in our mattresses, where yeah. it's, where it's, what about people, Bill, who are really afraid that they can't pay their bills? You know, I mean, people who really have that fear and it's stopping them from moving forward. What do you say there? Well, again, you know, if if we if we can balance our lives and that, you know. Well, the number one cause for for marital discourse is financial problems, mm. and and that includes losing jobs and uh, <clears throat> having too much debt and credit card abuse and just fiscal irresponsibility. If if everyone was out of debt and uh, uh, managed to live on the money that was available and had enough money to secure themselves for a year, uh, nine times out of ten, within that length of time, they can recover from a major setback financially. Hmm. And how many of us now are in that position? Hmm. Not nearly enough. Uh, But but this, this crisis has been coming for a long time. And if one is insightful enough to have perceived that, prepared for it, then, you know, there's no need to panic. Hmm. Now I'm going to go back to the Appalachian Trail. All right. So when you finished the trek, then what happened? What happened upon the conclusion of this? Well, it was chaos. Uh, Re-entry into the real world was one of the biggest and hardest adjustments I've ever had to make. When I got home, which took three or four days after I completed the trail, I had over 5,000 letters inviting me to speak at places all over the country. And, and, and I was not expecting that and was ill-prepared to manage it because I didn't have, uh, I didn't have a job. Uh, I didn't have any money. Uh, I had pretty much exhausted my savings during the nine months that I was on the Appalachian Trail, and I didn't really have a good plan of what was going to take place in the next few months, except I I needed to generate some income to live on, because the life I lived earlier uh, didn't have a good plan in it for the future, and I was actually in school, and that trek ended up being an internship for a counseling program that I was uh, in at the University of North Carolina in Greensboro. So my plan was to complete that program, which took another few months, and then uh, go into counseling. And uh, But that's not what happened. What happened was... Uh, I began to accept invitations. I'll never forget the first one was actually an award that uh, Dunlop Tire Company. In the- mm. so when you when you got back and you got all these invitations, you basically came back really and didn't have money and didn't have means. That's right. And, and wasn't thinking about that. 
you weren't thinking about that, and then, lo and behold, again, you were flooded with requests, which, of course, would help you to get back on the road economically. Yeah. But you weren't planning. You, you, didn't, you, didn't, go, you didn't come home and say, oh, what am I going to do? I'm not earning money. Right. You didn't worry about that. It I didn't like. think about money. Even when, you know, Dunlop Tire Company, I'll finish that because it'll answer your question, uh, gave me an award uh, uh, for my hike, a sports award, at a banquet to raise money for the Buffalo Bills. They're, they're based in Buffalo, New York. They flew me up there. I had no idea what to expect. I did a 10-minute speech, and they handed me an envelope and a trophy at the end. And I went back to my room and got the desk clerk at the hotel. I handed him that envelope, and I said, would you tell me what's in here? And it was a check for $1,000. Mm. And I said, oh, my goodness. Uh, why did they give me that money? And uh, Boy, you're a great person for people to talk to who are worried about money. Yeah, because you because you really you really have an amazing faith, and here and I, and you tell me if I'm right. So I'm I'm going to paraphrase what I'm feeling here. You honestly believe that if someone's on their right path and they're doing something that's in their higher power and they're really supposed to be doing it, that they will be taken care of. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, I I was. Ten minutes away from them foreclosing on my house at one point before, before the trail, and the bank uh, was calling me, and I had no money, no money at all. And uh, I, I was three months behind in my house payment, and uh, I sat down one day, and I said, I can't stand this, this misery any longer dreading every day passing to get mm-hmm. thrown out of my house. So I wrote the banker a letter. And as I licked the envelope, the doorbell rang. Guess who it was? My banker, the mortgage banker, telling me that they had sent her there to tell me that they were going to foreclose on the loan mm-hmm. uh, in 24 hours if I didn't weren't able to come up with the money. And I, I told her uh, and handed her that envelope. And she said, you know what? As she cried and sat in my living room, she said, I might lose my job for what I'm about to do, but I'm not going to allow this to happen because I believe that you're going to be taken care of. Wow, Bill. Woo! On that note, we've got to take a break. You just keep you just keep pumping us with these miracle stories constantly. It's unbelievable. Wow, my guest is the amazing, and uh, I have always said this from the beginning, and I still say this: the amazing Bill Owen, who is the only person who is blind who climbed the through hike of the Appalachian Trail over two thousand miles with his dog Orient. No one's done it before or since. You're listening to Positive Living. I'm Patricia Raskin. Log on to BillIrwin.com and my website, PatriciaRaskin.com. You're listening to Positive Living. I'm Patricia Raskin, right here on VoiceAmerica.com. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Ask 
the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your questions. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Do you know that over 70% of Americans with severe disabilities are unemployed? Are you one of the 2.5 million Americans with epilepsy? If you are or know someone struggling with these issues, tune in to Disability Matters with Joyce Bender. On the show, Joyce will discuss these issues as well as others. She will have on nationally known guests that will offer helpful insight on disability matters and let you, the listener, call in with your questions and concerns. So if you struggle with a disability or know someone who does, listen to Disability Matters with Joyce Bender. Heard every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time here on VoiceAmerica.com. I can take care of myself. I can make a peanut butter sandwich. I can brush my teeth and I can give myself a bath. I can walk home alone from school. I can pick dinner from the trash behind the deli. I can watch the baby for the whole weekend. I can keep a baseball bat by my bed just in case there's trouble. Don't worry about me. I can take care of myself. If you're in jail, who'll be there to take care of your family? Something to think about before committing a gun crime. Gun crimes hit home. This message brought to you by Project Safe Neighborhoods and the Ad Council. Looking for a good time? We've got a show that will give you a wild ride. This show will make you feel good. And it's not even bad for you. You need your time to let loose. It's time for a feel-good party. Pull up to the computer, mix yourself a drink, and turn up the speakers. Happy Hour is here. Every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern. It's called the biggest radio show in the world. Hosted by international personality and pundit, Michael DeMarco. You don't know what's coming next. The biggest radio show in the world on Voice America. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Hi everyone, we are back. You're listening to Positive Living and I'm Patricia Raskin. Right here on VoiceAmerica.com, America's Voice. Have an amazing guest on today. My guest is Bill Irwin, who is, his lifetime has really been overcoming the odds, and his incredible journey was released nationally on television in 1992. And his book, which is now in its 11th printing, and that is Blind Courage, is his story of climbing the Appalachian Trail, which is over 2,000 miles, with his dog, Orient. Took him eight and a half months. And no one's ever done it before or since. He's really, uh, really quite amazing. And welcome back, Bill. Thank you, Patricia. All right, and I want to tell people you can log on to BillIrwin.com. Well, now it's been, what, 15 years since that time? 19. Wow. Just had my 19th anniversary last week. Isn't that amazing? And now you've done something else which has been amazing. You and your wife together, and your wife is sighted. And she helped you together build your house. That's right. Log by log. Log by log. Talk about that. Wow. Well, we before we even moved to Maine, when we lived in North Carolina, we had uh, dreams of one day building our own log home. I, and neither one of us had any of those skills. I'd never built anything but a deck on the back of my house in North Carolina, and she'd never built anything. So 
we designed the home uh, and and then uh, found a course that we could take during the winter time uh, to learn how to handcraft a log home. And so after taking that course and practicing the skills, we that that summer when the snow melted here in Maine, we uh, started at it. And uh, actually, it's not finished yet. We, we're in our 10th year of working on it, but this summer we plan to get it done. We, we plan to, uh, we've had help from friends and family. But Didn't you talk about how you drove the crane and she directed you, is that right? Uh, a big forklift, which works kind of like a crane. We have to, the higher the, the structure becomes, the more dangerous it is to lift a through. 2,000-pound log, we have a forklift. It's an all-terrain, huge machine that will lift uh, our logs uh, 35 feet in the air. And that's a long way off the ground. And uh, the way we do it is, since I'm blind and need direction, she stands on top of the wall, and, with, and we have a walkie-talkie that we both have, and she guides me to drive the forklift and put that log exactly in place. So mm-hmm. she's the eyes, and I'm the brawn to operate the vehicle. Mm-hmm. And that's yeah, pretty amazing, Bill. It is. It's a, and when you when you speak now to groups, yeah, what do you speak about? Well, uh, there are several topics. But all of them end up being that anyone can end up doing whatever they choose to do if they want to do it badly enough. Uh, you know, that home is probably a more arduous task than hiking the Appalachian Trail in a lot of ways because it's it's been such a, a thing of duration and uh, delayed gratification. Mm-hmm. Because there's nothing dangling in front of you to keep you motivated, but uh, you know, I've, I've learned that there are very few things that I can't do. I just did a, I was at Purdue University last week for Disabilities Week, and I told those faculty members and students that the, the word disability is uh, a misnomer. Yes. Uh, I I have many friends that fit into that category for a number of reasons, and not a single one of them are disabled. They're differently able. So you would change the word disabled to differently abled. To differently abled. You know, I think you and I talked about this once, and I think this is a myth. I think the myth is that when when one of your senses is um, not strong or you don't have one of them, like your sight, that the other senses overcompensate and they're stronger. And I think that you told me that that's really not true, that you train your other senses to overcompensate. They're not necessarily stronger. That's exactly right. And In fact, it's been proven that people with uh, uh, visual uh, impairments, severe like blindness, uh, actually have more hearing loss than the average person. But it appears as though our hearing is keener. 
Interesting. It's because we just have to learn to pay more attention to it in our other senses as well. You know, one of the one of my good friends is a motivational speaker. You may have heard of him, Charlie Wiedemeyer, who can't utter a sound. He's he's completely uh, immobile in every way. He has three muscles in his whole body that work, and they're in his eyelids. And uh, yet he's this very sought-after motivational speaker and can't even utter a sound. That reminds me of the movie. Wasn't there a movie about something, The Bell? There was a movie about this. His, his movie was Charlie's Victory. Okay, different movie, but amazing. Mm. Yeah, I mean, and, and so a per, you take a person that, that's on a respirator 24-7 with three nurses around the clock, and can't move a single muscle in their body, and yet goes out and does what you and I do every day. That that's inspiring to to prove that no one is completely disabled. Mm. Even mm. Charlie Wiedemeyer, and I've never heard his voice. We we have a, a strange way of communicating. The way he communicates is through his wife Lucy. He can move those eyelids and let her know what he's thinking. Yeah, it's amazing. There was a movie about this. It was the bell. I'll have to. I'll have to look it up. But there was a movie very similar to this where the person communicated through eye movements, yeah. and um, a woman wrote a book because she was able to translate what he was saying. So yeah. she was able to write the book, and the book became a movie. And um, during the break, I'll look it up and let listeners know. But it's very similar to what you're talking about. I'll it was have amazing. To read it. Bill, when you um, speak in front of groups on leadership management, one of your topics is it's easier to lead a thousand than to push one. What do you mean? Well, you know, external control is the way our world revolves. When we're born, uh, people start telling us what to do that, that may, we may or may not want to do. And uh, we resist that all through life. When we go to school, the teachers do it, our parents did it, our bosses do it, and it transfers into the workplace, and we call it boss management. It's that old uh, way of running a company Mm -hmm. uh, that's, that's the antithesis of leadership management. And it's it's coercion. Uh, you do this, or you you get fired. A better way is to allow people to uh, to give them a, a a task or a job, and let them do it the best way they can. And you become a cheerleader and a helper and to provide the environment and the resources for them to succeed at whatever they're trying to do. Mm. And that's leadership, and it's much easier to to lead a thousand people than it is to have to push one to doing what you want them to do. Mm-hmm. Sure, because if everybody works with you together, then you're going to have all that movement. And there, you, there that brings yeah. in teamwork. Yeah, and- I want to tell you about the movie. The movie is called The Diving Bell and the Butterfly. And it was about a man in 1995, a 43-year-old, Jean-Dominique Bobet. He was at the top of his game as editor-in-chief of the prestigious French magazine. 
And that is till he suffered a cardiovascular incident. It left him completely paralyzed except for his left eye. And instead of becoming a prisoner in his near lifeless body, he learned painstakingly to use his remaining eye to communicate, remember, and imagine he knew, ever knew or never figured out before. And the name of the movie was The Diving Bell and Butterfly. And that is very similar to what you're talking about, and there was a whole movie about that. Huh. Well, that's the last two. Yeah, exactly, exactly. That's two people. All right, well, we're going to go to break, and if people want to find out more about your work, they go to BillIrwin.com. That's it. E-I-L-L-I-R-W-I-N.com. My guest today is the amazing Bill Irwin. His book is Blind Courage. He's the only person who climbed the 2,168 Appalachian Trail Trek with his dog, Orient. Bill is blind, and no one has been able to do this before or since. And it took him eight and a half months. And he's just an amazing man. Has built a house with his wife. She's sighted, but they've done it together. And he has, brick by brick and log by log, done this. And um, he really shows us that you can overcome your obstacles and your odds against really just about anything. And he doesn't call it disabled. He calls it differently abled. So, Bill, I applaud you. It's always an honor and pleasure to interview you each each time that I do. And uh, when we come back, we're going to talk more to Bill. I also want to tell all of you to log on to my website, which is patriciaraskin.com. I have amazing guests on my show each week, and I have a blog and a newsletter. Sign up to be on my newsletter. I have two radio shows, and you can check all that out on my website. And I would love to hear from you. I have a positive living campaign, so I'm asking people to share their amazing stories and write to me, and I'll certainly talk about them on the air. All right, you're listening to Positive Living. I'm Patricia Raskin, and when we come back, we're going to talk more to Bill Irwin about his work as an individual who's blind, who motivates millions of people, and about his trek through the Appalachian Trail, the only blind man who was able to do this, and no one's done it before or since with the help of his wonderful dog at that time, Orient. Again, you're listening to Positive Living. I'm Patricia Raskin. There's plenty more right here on voiceamerica.com, America's Voice. We'll be right back. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. If you want to put the pep back in your step, Chad Lafferty's has just what you're looking for. Dance is life. Life is dance. It's only about dance. It's about moving through life with style, gaining awareness of the never-ending, ever-flowing movement that accompanies all of life's activities. Dance is life. Life is dance. Broadcast every Saturday morning at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Radio Network. Be sure to tune in and tap into the limitless healing that dance can provide. Can't stop now. Dad, can I ask you something? Sure. There's this girl I kind of like. Say no more. You just have to impress her. Okay, but how? Just, I don't know, pick up a lot of heavy things around her. Like what? You know, desks, chairs, people, grunt if you have to. 
grunt? Yeah. Be like, oh, there you go. You don't have to be perfect to be a perfect parent. When you adopt a child from foster care, just being there makes all the difference. To learn more, call 1-888-200-4005. A public service announcement brought to you by Adopt U.S. Kids, the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, and the Ad Council. Son, we got to talk about drinking. I know. I don't want you touching alcohol till you're old enough. Yeah, I, I know, Dad. It's not a big deal. Don't, yeah, I know me, okay? And it is a big deal. Underage drinking is just stupid. Yeah, well, why'd you do it? Look, I did it because we didn't know what we know now. Alcohol affects kids differently, okay? When kids drink, it's more dangerous. And you're my kid. And just because they drink doesn't mean you have to. I, I know. I know. Look, son, I'm trying to help. I've seen what it does. I mean, you may think you can handle it, but when you drink, it screws up your judgment. Listen to me. This is real. I, I know, okay? I know. Teenagers know everything. So talk about underage drinking before they know it all. Before they're teens. Start talking before they start drinking. And keep talking. To learn more about the dangers of underage drinking and what to say to your kids, go to StopAlcoholAbuse.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Hi, everyone. We are back. You are listening to Positive Living, and I'm Patricia Raskin, right here on VoiceAmerica.com, America's Voice. If you're listening live on April 6th, you can give us a call at 866-472-5787, 866-472-5787. I have one of the most inspirational guests that I've ever had on my program. I met him in 1993 when I interviewed him on a Fox affiliate television program called Positive, Positive People, and as you can see, I've continued along the path with radio, and it, my show is now called Positive Living. My guest is Bill Irwin who with his seeing eye dog orient is the only blind person to have completed the 2,168-mile trek across the Appalachian Trail. His best-selling book, Blind Courage, is now in its 11th edition. Welcome back, Bill. Okay, i got a few questions. Let's talk about the fact that, you know, your life was a little rocky before all of this, speaking of rocks and the trail. So you had experience. You said that you uh, experienced blindness at the age of 28, so that you had your sight for many years, and that you also had an alcohol issue, and you were addicted to alcohol. And so you are a recovering alcoholic. Recovered. Recovered. Okay, that's a good, I'd like to talk about that because we have so many people who talk about recovering and recovered and um, what the difference is between the two and just about your journey as an alcoholic and what you would say to people who are in the recovering stages. Okay. Well, what I would say to people who consider themselves recovering until you get to the place where you believe that uh, you can recover, you are recovering. And I guess that mindset is what keeps a lot of people in their addiction because uh, as long as you consider yourself still an alcoholic, <clears throat> then you probably are. And uh, I had to learn that uh, along the way because uh, some of the recovery programs uh, uh, keep people in the, in their addiction.
addiction way too long. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So what you're saying, many times the, 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 um, the method of thinking is that we're never recovered, we're always recovering. Once one, always one, and that's really not true. It's, it's certainly not biblical. Okay. So you can use the word recovered when you when you are sober for, as you said, you're sober 22 years. And it doesn't have anything to do with the function of time either. It, it has to do... See, alcohol is a secondary problem in a person's life. The real problem is character defects, and recovery is much more than drying out from alcohol. Mm-hmm. It, it's bringing a... a, a out-of-control life back into effective control, mm-hmm. which needs to be a spiritual thing, a mental thing, a physical thing, and an emotional thing. And the physical thing is the first thing you have to address because that's where alcohol comes in. As long as you're uh, anesthetizing yourself daily or periodically or with alcohol, there's no hope of recovery. So... Elimination of alcohol is just one of the first steps. The rest of it has to do with uh, character defects and getting uh, healing from those. So kind of what you're saying, this here's what I'm interpreting what you're saying, is that, you know, you may stop drinking, but if you haven't looked at your character and what your issues are, you might end up becoming an addict in some other area. That's right, and it can manifest itself with a lot of different foci, but the bottom line is that when you learn to live a balanced life, then uh, your your life is in effective control, and you don't need any external uh, thrill-seeking drug or, or behavior to satisfy your basic human needs. And, and the, the sad thing is that uh, when, you may, when you're an addict and you make choices, uh, they're always uh, poor choices because you're impaired thinking while you're mm-hmm. uh, doing your thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's, let's talk about, in a few minutes we have left, about that whole issue of recovery. Because we had talked during the break, and you said you had been had, had several marriages, and you've been married now to Deborah for 13 years, and it's a very happy marriage. So for those people who are afraid, you know, oh, gee, I've failed before, or this didn't work, I can't do it again, you're saying, no, you can make it work. What's your secret, Bill? Well, the secret is when, when you bring your life into balance, you attract people whose lives are in balance. When your life's out of control, example, two people that whose lives are out of control can go in a room with a thousand people, and within a half a minute, they find each other. How does that happen? Mm-hmm. It happens because the, their antennae are looking for another person that they can relate to. And when you put that combination together, it never works because they complement each other in a negative way. Mm-hmm. So when I get my life straightened out and I'm living in balance, 
when I go into a room with a thousand people, I attract someone and they're attracted to me uh, by uh, the, the character traits mm-hmm. that, that they can pick up on. There's, a, there's a, a phrase for that, Bill. Birds of a feather flock together. That's right. <laughs> Absolutely. And so, you know, when I met my wife after many years of recovery and a lot of life experience that's positive, uh, we, we both had a lot in common and we both were living a balanced life. And it's even better now that we've been together for a long time. It gets better every year. Mm. All right, closing thoughts. If people get one thing out of this interview about blind courage, I mean, you again, all of the amazing things that you've done, what's your message for people? My message is that I've been able to overcome a lot of adversity, and I have absolutely no courage and no willpower. And if I can do it, anyone can. That's, that's the bottom line, and that's the truth. I have, I'm one of the most uh, uncourageous, cowardly, uh, undisciplined persons that anyone could ever meet, and yet... That's not true. It appears right the opposite. Well, that's not true. Not by all the wonderful things you've done. <laughs> so you're saying we can do it. Thank you so much, Bill. I just want to let people know. Write to Bill at BillIrwin.com, and he's an amazing gentleman. This is a man who climbed the Appalachian Trail blind with his dog, Orient, over 2,000 miles, about eight and a half months, and uh, and he did it and uh, was the only man. No one's done it before and is a blind person. Just incredible person, and again, as I say at the end of each show, write to me, Patricia at PatriciaRaskin.com, and stay healthy, stay happy, get the support you need, and know you can make your dreams come true, and thank you for helping me make my dream come true by interviewing these amazing people through the airwaves, and by the same token, I'm helping you make your dream come true, because these are people that can help you. Until next time, I'm Patricia Raskin for Positive Living. Have a great Monday and a great week. listening to Positive Living with Patricia Raskin, a catalyst for positive change. For an autographed copy of Patricia's book, Pathfindings, Seven Principles for Positive Living, log on to raskinresources.com and tune in next Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific for Positive Living right here on voiceamerica.com. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 